Hello everyone, and happy Infrastructure Week to you. My name is Neil Aft, Editorial Director of Transport Topics. I want to welcome you to the TT Live on Web for May. Our focus today will be the state of the nation's infrastructure and the highway funding crisis. I am joined on set here by Pat Thomas, Vice President of Global Affairs for UPS and First Vice Chairman of American Trucking Associations. Paul Balmer, Legislative Assistant for Representative Earl Blumenauer and Eugene Malero, Transport Topics Washington Reporter. Additionally, we have pre-recorded interviews from Martin Dom, President of Diamond Trucks North America, and Carlo Braceres, Executive Director of the Utah Department of Transportation. Our sponsors for today's chat are Rider and Clean Energy. Additional information about these companies can be found at the bottom of this article page. We want to encourage you to interact with us during today's chat. You can email us at share at ttnews.com or by commenting directly on this article page. Okay, let's get started. Eugene, I want to begin with you. Thanks for joining us today. There's a lot of information out there. It is a very fluid situation. Wonder if you can bring us up to speed with the latest updates on the funding situation as we approach the upcoming deadline. Well, Neil, thank you. And, um, you know, Infrastructure Week is coming, is happening at a time when we have eight legislative days before um, uh, Transportation Funding Authority is set to um, uh, expire on May 31st. So Congress has eight legislative days to resolve that uh, situation. And what we're hearing from, um, you know, congressional leaders on the Republican side is that they're working on a short-term patch of somewhere between 10 to 11 billion dollars uh, to keep highway, federal highway programs funded through December. Uh, if that is approved and signed into law, uh, the thinking from some of these uh, Republican leaders is that it's going to uh, give the transportation policy authorizers time to work on a long-term bill uh, before December and they can have that ready after December. So, as of right now, there is no uh, funding fix that we know of. Uh, the two key players are Chairman Paul Ryan of the House Ways and Means Committee and Senator Orrin Hatch, a Republican of Utah. They're both the uh, top tax policy writers in Congress, and they have not told reporters. And you know, right now, none of us really know what they're thinking of doing. But that that short-term patch to get us through December—that is what a lot of people are talking about. So thank you, Eugene. We'll be back with you shortly. Pat, I next want to turn to you. Thank you for taking the time to join us in studio today. Yeah. Uh, I know that you were already downtown this morning at a, uh, a different Infrastructure Week event. Uh, you were included in a press release that was put out uh, earlier today also uh, by ATA regarding the uh, funding situation. Wondering if you can share your perspectives uh, on what you, how you see this playing out and obviously share some thoughts from the uh, from trucking's perspective, what they hope that will happen in the coming weeks and possibly months. Sure, Neil, and it's great to be with you here today, and I appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to, to join you. I was, in fact, downtown this morning and met with a, a host of uh, state legislators who are involved in their transportation committees in each of their respective states, and they, too, express a good deal of frustration, much like we are here within our industry, about the, the inability of Congress to get a long-term highway bill passed. Now, we are obviously, uh, as Eugene said, we're a short eight legislative days away from the expiration of the current bill. So uh, it, it's quite obvious that we're going to need some sort of a short-term patch, and, and we, would, uh, we would urge Congress to get busy with that, get that done. Uh, the shorter, the better, we think, and then we can move forward and, and, and get something uh, done in, in a permanent way uh, to fix uh, some of the infrastructure problems we have. As, as you all know, uh, this is no way to run a highway program. It's no way to run the government, and it's certainly not the way uh, any of us run our businesses. We. Uh, uh, this will be, uh, according to many, uh, about the 32nd or 33rd uh, uh, extension that we've had over the last six or seven years, and, and you just can't run a, a modern uh, system this way. And so we would we would urge them to 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 look at a long-term plan, look at some uh, sustainable and robust funding, uh, and of course we're very very supportive, much as the U.S. Chamber is, for a, a uh, increase in the fuel tax and indexing it to inflation. You know we've lost 
about 40% of our buying power over the last number of years because we haven't indexed the fuel tax for inflation. So we're having a very difficult time keeping up with with uh, the needs of our of our system today, and of course we have more than just a passing interest in in the highways of this country and in our industry. This is where we do our business, so we're very very interested in having them move forward expeditiously and, and get something on the table that we can all support and uh, and move forward with the highway program, and then move on to the other issues that the country needs to work on. Uh, thank you, Pat. Uh, Paul, I want to bring you in. I'm certainly not going to ask you to speak for all of, of Congress, but uh, you've heard the initial comments here. Uh, I also know that uh, uh, Congressman uh, has introduced legislation uh, regarding increasing the federal fuel tax. Pat mentioned that. It's a very popular option from the uh, industry perspective, not one that appears to have much uh, political clout right now. wondering if you could speak a little bit to that as well and, and where that bill might stand. And, and again, thank you for joining us as well today. Sure. Glad to be here. Uh, thanks for having me. And uh, Pat really laid out the, the, the situation quite well. This is a situation that we've been in before. Uh, T21, the last six-year reauthorization, expired in 2003. That was extended. Uh, in 12 short-term measures. Safety Lou, uh, not quite as long as, as T21 was extended 10 times. And it looks like we're, we're coming up on our second extension of MAP21, which I don't know if you can really call that a long-term bill at 17 months, or excuse me, 27 months. But uh, there you have it. Um, Congress should know by now that the, really the only solution that, uh, that, that we're looking at is, should be raising the gas tax. Um, many blue ribbon panels and uh, recommendations have pointed to the gas tax as, as the easiest, um, simplest way to raise the necessary revenue. As Pat mentioned, the fuel tax has lost 40% of its purchasing power uh, due to inflation and rising fuel efficiency. And I, I want to uh, note a, a specific statistic. Uh, right now, uh, in real terms, the fuel tax at 18.4 cents a gallon is barely higher than the first uh, fuel tax ever levied uh, in 1932 at one cent a gallon. So if you look at it that way, we're trying to fund 21st century infrastructure with a depression era level of investment, which is ridiculous. Congress has kicked the can down the road uh, numerous times, and the shortfall of the Highway Trust Fund has continued to grow. Um, CBO estimates, the Congressional Budget Office estimates that we're going to be looking at uh, between a 12 and $18 billion shortfall a year going forward. And if we continue to extend, the, the, gap, is, the gap is going to be uh, ever more insurmountable. Congress has shown an inability to act, but my boss, Congressman Earl Blumenauer, has introduced uh, the first, what would be the first gas tax increase since 1993, uh, H.R. 680, the Update Act. It would raise the gas tax 15 cents, phased in over three years, which would generate $210 billion over the next 10 years, which would provide enough money to make up the Highway Trust Fund shortfall and actually grow the program a little bit. So instead of just uh, keeping our inadequate funding levels flat, uh, we would actually be able to start to make some of the necessary improvements that we really need. And Paul, where are we with uh, that legislation? Um, is, um, is it expected to be you know, before the Ways and Means Committee anytime soon? I, I would really like that. Um, Cong uh, Chairman Ryan uh, promised my boss uh, that we would have a hearing in Ways and Means okay. uh, on transportation funding. Uh, that has not yet happened. Uh, Chairman Camp also promised a hearing. Ways and Mean the Ways and Means Committee has not held uh, a hearing on transportation funding since 2009. Uh, so that might give you a sense for uh, why Congress has been unable to, to deal with this problem when you have the lawmakers who are involved uh, not even taking a hard look at the issue. So I, I just want to provide a, a brief recap here. We are coming up to May 31st is this initial deadline. I think there seems to be agreement here on the panel that no long-term solution is going to be coming up by then. Uh, it looks like this term that a lot of people use, the kicking of the can, will be uh, forthcoming. We'll have to see how many months, possibly end of the year. Uh, and then it sounds like this uh, debate will go on. Also, the, the fuel tax has come up. Uh, the gasoline and, and diesel are levied at. Uh, there are different levels for them. Uh, I know a lot of the discussion, uh, Pat referenced, and in terms of the legislation, would increase both the gasoline and diesel taxes on the federal level. 
Uh, Pat, let me come back to you. You referenced the fuel tax. I also know in terms of uh, ATA's perspective, uh, you mentioned the Chamber and others that that is uh, one of uh, a preferred method. Uh, I know you, uh, the association has looked at other methods or at least has expressed a willingness to strongly consider other methods as a way of sort of getting some sort of solution out. I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit uh, to that. Right, Neil. We, uh, we embarked about, about a year ago here at ATA and we put together a, a committee to look at, at highway funding and understanding that uh, the fuel tax would, would still be our preferred method of raising money for the highway system. Uh, we also acknowledged that uh, the reality was that that may be or may not be uh, something that, that, that really could happen. So we looked at a variety of, of different funding options and, and I would tell you that for the most part, uh, you know, we took kind of an all of the above approach to that and we said we would really seriously consider any reasonable option for raising money for the, uh, for the, for the highway bill. Now one of the things that we did is the fact that there needs to be a uh, a user pay connection to highway funding. So there, there needs to be, uh, and of course the fuel tax does that and a variety of other things can do that as well, but there needs to have uh, in this bill, as have been in, in prior bills, a, a, the connection between uh, the folks that are using it and the folks that are paying for it. And beyond that, uh, you know, we would take a look at, at, at any of the options that have been brought forward and there seem to be some that, uh, that are new on the table and some that kind of fall off the table from time to time. And, and we have still, uh, still uh, of the mind that, that, that we're happy to take a look at, at whatever comes about. And uh, the most important thing to us is that, is that we get a bill passed and we get working on not only just fixing the potholes, mm -hmm. but, but we've got to take a serious look at, 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 the, uh, at the additional capacity that our industry alone is going to need over the next 10 or 20 years, which is, is significant. And so, uh, you know, we're, we're spending a lot of time today stopped in traffic, in bottlenecks around the country. And, uh, you know, a, a recent study that, that, that was done not, uh, said that there was about $9.2 billion a year lost by our industry each year sitting in bottlenecks and traffic and congestion, which is, which is really, really unfortunate. They're taking, for example, all of the, the benefits that we have with new engines and better emissions and all those sorts of environmental benefits that we've been able to get uh, at, at a, at a uh, high cost, I might add, traffic uh, and we're burning, uh, burning fuel and not moving anywhere. So we're really anxious to get a host of options on the table, get the bill passed and, and move forward. So as part of Infrastructure Week, uh, all sorts of emails and studies, press releases, comments have come out. I, I walked in this morning, got one from ARTPA talking about the fuel tax. The analysis on the state level shows gas tax supporters, meaning fuel tax, that includes diesel, not heard at the ballot box and multi-page uh, report to sort of continue pushing for the fuel tax increase. Uh, uh, that one's from ARTPA. There are many, many that, that come out this week. I want to remind our viewers that they can uh, uh, communicate with us, share their thoughts uh, at uh, share at ttnews.com. They can also log in and comment uh, on this article page. Uh, leading up to the program uh, and knowing the, the guests that we had, we had a, a number of questions um, come in, some of them suggestions. I'm, I'm going to reserve my own personal judgment. I'm just going to put a couple out there as we continue the conversation in terms of some possible methods. I think if nothing else, it shows people do have the frustration is very real. It's very easy to see. It's just words on paper, you know, or through an email. But uh, it's very easy to see that, that people are really getting tired of this. One, anyone could, could chime in. If not, uh, just want to put it out there. They, they were asking about stopping lawmakers from cutting all non-highway-related non spending from future bills. Is there a way to make it illegal to tap into highway funds for anything other than highway spending? Um, just one asking, how do we, where is this funding going to come from, which we started to address? Uh, will it only be for highways? That, that, that's one that, that people, the trucking audience and, and some of the other shippers and associations that have reached out to us ahead of this program seem to be wanting to know about, about what steps in trying to find a solution can we get? Uh, is there a way to at least ensure anything that is, uh, that, that any solution they do come up with is at least spent on, on highways? Do you feel that's something eventually we'll get to? Well, I'll take a, 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 
a look at that, Neil. And, and from our industry perspective, absolutely, that's a, uh, that's a necessity for us. If we're going to pay higher taxes in one form or another, or, or we're going to get uh, money from, from one place or another, we're going to insist that that money be used for highways. And, uh, you know, that's our position. It's always been our position, and we're going we're gonna to hold fast to that. And uh, that's, again, that, if, I, if I go back and, and talk about the link between a user pay system, such as the fuel tax, um, that takes care of that problem. It, mm. uh, the people that are using the systems are the ones that are paying for it, and, and that's the way it ought to work. But, it, but, but in addition to that, if, if we're able to, uh, uh, to get funding from other, some other source, we're going to make a strong case that uh, that money be exclusively used for, uh, for roads. And Neil, uh, Neil it's yeah, worth please. noting that um, uh, the Paul Ryan, um, the Ways and Means chairman, he is very adamant when he spoke to reporters in April that there's not going to be a user fee increase. He said the gas tax increase is off the table. Uh, and so the, this short-term patch that they're working on is not going to have the gas tax increase and the long-term bill if the Republicans uh, under you know, Chairman Ryan and his team are in control, uh, that's not something that gonna, that's going to be in play. So right now, the lawmakers are scrambling to find mm -hmm. other source of revenue. Mm -hmm. I, I want to go to uh, one other question for now. It comes from Victor Palmer, who is a student uh, at TT. Uh, certainly like to engage students. Uh, we, we, were, we were happy to see a few of them reach out to us on this. Who knows, uh, they may be the ones that may finally solve the debate years and years from now, the way things are, are moving along. He asks, uh, do you think it's a good time to start constructing and developing intelligent transportation systems or smart highway systems that would be compatible with vehicle-to-vehicle -vehicle communication connected with cars and trucks? He's sort of taken this very somewhat futuristic approach, uh, and I think it goes to show um, there is a, a, a younger generation there saying, where are we going next? We're talking about just how to keep things uh, upright in, in, in some ways. Uh, I, I want to use that as a transition to the first uh, video interview, a pre-recorded interview that we have. Uh, I was able to speak last week with Martin Dom. He's the uh, president of Daimler Trucks North America. without an event in Las Vegas where they debuted, uh, in this country at least, a uh, autonomous driving vehicle, which I know generated a lot of buzz in the industry. Same time, it took a few minutes to discuss his concerns regarding the highway funding crisis and how it's affecting his company and making trucks and the industry as a whole. So let's go ahead and take a look at that now. Uh, Martin, I want to begin with, uh, uh, go back to our last time we were together in uh, March, a presentation you gave. You spoke out about the highway bill, the need for highway funding legislation. I wonder if you could share with our viewers uh, uh, some of the comments that you made and why you felt the need as a business leader to speak out on the issue. No, I mean, when, we talk, when we talked last uh, time, I just returned from Washington where we had very good and intense discussions about the next uh, round of emissions and the necessity to reduce uh, CO2, which means to increase fuel efficiency uh, 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 for our customers. And it, it dawned to me that we are really hackling here about two or three percent points. And then you look and see how many endless hours trucks are standing in traffic jams and wasting fuel there. And for me, uh, to go on the one side for, for one of the strictest regulations we ever have on CO2, and on the other side, just let it sit there, uh, uh, literally uh, sit the trucks there on the roads in traffic jams and waste fuel and, and, and pollute with CO2 the environment, uh, that uh, for me made no sense. So I, I used to speak up if something makes no sense to me. Mm -hmm. You talk about uh, some of the testing that uh, Freightliner and Daimler Trucks does uh, on the loop and, and how quickly yeah. you see some of the fuel economy yeah. losses. You could share a little yeah, bit about uh, that? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, because that, that was a background for my, my, my comment, so it's, it's potentially important to, to, to let uh, your, your, your readers or, or, or viewers hear about that. Uh, we do something which we call scientific testing. That means we really try to, to have scientific methods to figure out how our trucks perform and more importantly what new components do on those trucks. So we try really to measure fractions of, 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 of percentages uh, of fuel efficiency gains. Uh, when we do that, 
uh, we went always the same route. It's Portland, Pendleton, Portland, 420 miles back and mm -hmm. forth. Uh, uh, and it, it resembles a little bit the, 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 the average North American routing our customers mm -hmm. are doing. So it's an ideal route for that. We figured out that if we have one single, you know, traffic jam in between, it screws up all the results. Mainly taking away all the advantages we might have from a new component. Mm -hmm. So we started to map the entire lane in 0.5 mile increments and we look at the fuel efficiency of every single increment and then we, we throw away everything where we see anomalies, meaning traffic jams, uh, and, and, and focus just on the good stretches. But if you look, on the bad stretches, you see ultimately that a one and a half mile of traffic jam takes away any fuel advantage you might have in a 3% fuel advantage gain over the entire way. And it's certainly not unusual to be in no, a traffic over, jam now, something probably projected to get over worse. Over 400 miles you run in, in a one and a half mile traffic jam pretty often happened. And with trucking, it's even more cumbersome uh, than, than in Paris cars, because in, tra in trucking, you're not just idling that time. You always have to start accelerating your, your entire load. And then after a couple of feet, you have to go to a standstill again, and then you have to re-accelerate and bring it to a standstill again. And that's potentially the most, the, the worst, you know, part of the of the truck performance. Mm -hmm. Our trucks are designed to roll and to coast. That is, where, 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 what the future of fuel-efficient driving is. And therefore we need uh, uncongested highways in North America. And we don't get that just by hoping and wishing. Mm -hmm. Hope is not a strategy. You have to do things different than yesterday. And that thing means we have to invest into our infrastructure and that costs money. And then we have to get that money and really start to work and not just talk. Talk does not change the world. Work do, does. There have been a lot of discussion about different methods uh, about funding, whether it be uh, fuel tax, uh, other. That's something that you're interested in getting involved with, or is your message more, let's figure out a way to get this done because of the way it's hurting some of the larger goals that are going on? As an industry leader, I want the things get done. You know, I'm not a politician. There might be more implications. Uh, I was raised inside our company uh, in the finance department and when I was a controller it was all about steering impulses, you know, set the right impulses, meaning reward the, the, reward the behavior you want and punish the behavior you don't want. And, and for me then this is game, with, we have on the one side the excise tax on trucks, where we basically punish new technology. Mm -hmm because new technology comes with a cost. If it would be cost-free, we would always have it on the truck. Yeah, so any new technology comes with a cost. So we punish that with a higher excise tax, you know, because you have mm -hmm. to pay excise tax on that. And on the other side, when you waste fuel, you get rewarded by a very low fuel tax. So for me, the first move would be get rid of the excise tax and increase the fuel tax. And if you need some more money for the highway bill, then you have to get it out of fuel. Welcome back. I want to thank Martin Dom for taking the time to speak with us about the highway bill. As I mentioned, this took place at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Uh, there were about 200 journalists attending this uh, autonomous driving truck, uh, clamoring for his time. I'm very appreciative that, uh, that he took the time with TT to speak on the highway bill, and I think it underscores the importance of the issue. And in the middle of all this, he, he felt the need to talk about it. I also want to thank <coughs> Dave Giroux and Kim Jommer for their help in making sure that interview would happen. Uh, one thing I found interesting uh, from his interview, uh, I heard him speak about this also at uh, his comments at the Mid-America Truck Show uh, in March. I just asked him about the highway bill. He uh, sometimes, and that is such a complex issue on its own, that sometimes we could think of it in its own bubble. He immediately ties it into, he references the greenhouse gas rules, he references anything involving fuel tax, he references it to the excise tax on new trucks as sort of a penalty on purchasing some of the more modern, cleaner, fuel-efficient trucks that are out there. Though he didn't reference it in this interview, yeah, in the past the uh, company has referenced uh, trade legislation, which I believe uh, Senator Reid recently referenced may be held up in terms of uh, highway, uh, some of the highway funding, at least in terms of some comments that he made. It's just another aspect, the larger picture that's going on and, and a feeling that this, is so, that this domino is, is, is holding up a lot of other uh, efforts uh, going on. Also very quickly want to mention uh, there's another piece, completely separate piece of the interview about the event that took place in Las Vegas uh, that's available on our website. 
time allows, we may get into it a little bit more later on during this program. Uh, Pat, I want to come back to you. You were listening to that. Uh, I know you're familiar with some of the comments. Also, not, not only his comments, you were referencing something in, in regards to the student, Victor, and, and some of his looking ahead into what might come in, on the highways. Yeah. That you want to address that a little bit further. Yeah, thanks, Neil. And I, and I, found, uh, I found the interview was fascinating. And the technology, of course, is, is state of the art. And uh, it really gives you the ability to begin to think about what could be as we move into the future. But, but back to Victor's question, which is, uh, should we begin to think about highways of the future and, and different ways of, of building roads, and should they be smart roads? And, and Victor, the, the short answer to that question is yes, we should. Uh, we, we, need to, we need to get this highway bill behind us, and then we need to begin to broaden the conversation. We need to say, what, what, what should things look like 5, 10, or 20, or 50 years down the road? And obviously, uh, you know, we're running a, a system today that, that it's far beneath all of the technology that's available to us out there. So we, we, need to, we need to broaden that. And we need to broaden the conversation about not having a highway bill, but we need to talk about a transportation plan. Which, which encompasses all modes and all kinds of different things because uh, our businesses today are very multimodal and we've got to address those kinds of things and the bottlenecks and the things that come with those. And I'll, I'll leave you with one other, uh, one other statistic that I heard yesterday from the Vice President. He was addressing uh, uh, Infrastructure Week and he said, in the 1950s, the U.S. spent about 4% of GDP on infrastructure. Today, that number is less than 1%. And I think that's something we have to take a real hard look at and say, are, are we given our infrastructure uh, all that it's due? And, and, and clearly, the answer to that is not. And then we have to move forward with the, the debate about how, how do we get it back to where it needs to be and talk about the things that, that Victor mentions here about uh, a new transportation system. Interesting, Pat. I, I want to remind everyone they can communicate with us still at uh, share at ttnews.com. Send in your questions or uh, comments. Uh, you can also log in, comment uh, on this page. Uh, before we move on, I know while we were listening to that interview, Paul, we, we briefly were talking about this the question earlier, the suggestion of regarding the money spent on highways, and you wanted to make one, one point on that, so why don't you go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Thank you, Neil. I, I, did I did want to return to this because this has been a fairly contentious debate in recent years about money for the, for the highway trust fund being spent only on highways. And I want to make clear how important investments spent on transit and alternative modes of transportation are to our whole transportation network. Uh, we have to go back to President Ronald Reagan, who established the mass transit account within the highway trust fund with 20% of fuel tax revenues going to the transit account. He saw the congestion on our roadways and the bottlenecks, as Pat mentioned, which cost uh, our, our economy billions of dollars a year, and saw investment in inner city uh, and urban area public transportation as a way to reduce this, and it does. And the investments that Congress can, and the federal government continues to make in public transportation, in bicycle and pedestrian infrastructure, take cars off our roadways, reduce congestion, and especially when you look at uh, the growth of this nation over the next 40 years, uh, we're going to be moving twice as much freight on our roadways. And, uh, and we're also going to be adding 100 million people. Uh, we're not going to be able to just pave our way out of this problem with, with more highways. We need to invest we need to be investing in uh, many different types of transportation. So I, uh, I'm, I'm glad that, uh, that Pat uh, mentioned the importance of, of looking at multi-modes and, right. and, uh, and other investments. Okay, we're going to come back to uh, looking, looking at what a long-term highway bill one day might look like in a second. But uh, thus far, we've looked at it from the federal level. Uh, we've gotten a number of questions. Uh, leading up one from uh, Jason Stone of Volvo, just as we were going uh, on the air, saying, "Hey, wh what about the states? Uh, you know, is this some sort of sort of uh, battle between them? How is it collected? Uh, you know, is there one have a better argument of the pros and cons?" And uh, I don't know if it, it quite works that way. Maybe you guys can speak to it. But I do. We do know that states ha are also frustrated. Many of them are get, taking some of their own steps to begin to address a problem on some level. Uh, Michigan was the latest state to at least attempt um, to do something. They put to a ballot uh, that a, a measure that would raise 
the sales tax, <coughs> tweak the tax structure a little bit, uh, and that would uh, that would go toward infrastructure in the state. That was voted down last week, but um, did show at least uh, the latest example of a state sort of uh, rolling their hands up and trying to do something uh, on its own. Uh, Eugene, I know that is something that you uh, and the, the government uh, reporting team track pretty closely uh, as this debate is playing out. I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit more uh, on the state side what's going on while they wait for a federal uh, government agreement. Yeah, in recent years uh, many states uh, departments of transportation have um, really pushed ahead with some very intricate and you know large-scale uh, funding plans and I know that um, uh, in New Hampshire for instance last year they uh, the legislature um, approved a gas tax increase and I know in my home state of New Jersey um, you know lawmakers are scrambling uh, to finance uh, the, their, the state transportation fund uh, and ultimately we're all basically all the DOT directors in the country are in agreement that they would like to see uh, you know a stronger federal role play and I know that uh, polling your home state mm -hmm. of uh, Oregon um, you know they have a very interesting pilot going on um, the vehicle miles travel VMT for short mm -hmm. and you know where are we you know what's uh, the latest on that do you have an update? Sure uh, thanks Eugene well uh, Oregon actually uh, gave the nation the first gas tax dedicated to road construction yeah. in 1919 and Oregon looks like it's going to be the first state to transition away from the fuel tax entirely. Uh, for the last uh, 15 years now, uh, they've been working on uh, testing a pilot, an alternative user fee uh, to the gas tax. Uh, they call it a road usage charge because this is a, a user fee, uh, a ruck. And uh, this summer, uh, they, the Oregon Department of Transportation is embarking on the latest uh, pilot project. This is going to be a 5,000 all-volunteer pilot where uh, participants are going to be charged uh, for how many miles they drive, not uh, how many times they uh, have to fill up at the pump. They'll be charged uh, at a rate of uh, one and a half cents uh, per mile. And this is uh, expected to uh, test how uh, such a fee can be implemented and levied uh, on a state level, and what types of uh, reporting people are going to be comfortable with. And uh, I, I want to be clear because there have been a lot of privacy issues raised that uh, the Oregon ACLU was involved in drafting the legislation and they testified in support of the legislation creating the pilot. So uh, there, there really are no privacy violations, uh, but at the same time, uh, concerns exist and people need to uh, test them out and see what works best um, and I hope that other states uh, follow suit in, in the in the near future I know California is looking at a 7,000 volunteer pilot in the next couple of years and more to come and uh, just to just to be clear from the trucking perspective things like uh, VMT or PPP the public-private partnerships may, may be part of a larger solution that would be considered Clearly not at the top of, uh, of trucking's wish list. Is that, no, is that no, but, but, but I'll tell you, I, I think the general feeling is that we're, we're anxious to hear about the pilot project. We're interested in, in whether or not this is a workable solution. I think there are a number of things that, 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 uh, that cause us to, to pause a little. Uh, and uh, some of the security and the privacy issues, obviously, are some of the first things that people think of. And, and of course, uh, not only from a personal perspective, uh, but also from a company perspective, there's some uh, information about uh, individual businesses that we wouldn't want to be have shared with others. But, uh, and, I, and I think the other thing that I generally hear from people when they talk about VMT is, is the ability to collect from that many taxpayers uh, without, uh, without a great deal of evasion and, and that sort of thing. So I, but I think that's certainly uh, uh, worthy of, of, uh, of a pilot and it's worthy of discussion and, and, uh, and, and you know when it's all done and we put it all together like uh, a number of other proposals we can take a look at it and see if it's something that we indeed can support. Thank you for the clarification. Eugene let's come back to you yeah. on the state side. So, here. You know, but again the bottom line is that you know, what the states the executive director of the Utah Department of Transportation, who's also a senior uh, direct, senior member of uh, ASHTO, uh, where he really uh, focused on, 
you know, his concerns about efforts on Capitol Hill, uh, so-called uh, devolution legislation that would minimize, uh, you know, the federal role and, um, you know, press the states to really take on, take ownership of, of their transportation uh, duties. And he testified before the Senate EPW panel earlier this year. And uh, I think we have a, a clip of, you know, my conversation with him. If the answer is um, we can't get together, we're unable to come up with a solution, then in fact devolution may be a solution because states will then individually take care of their needs. But I, I maintain that I, I need every state in the country to have a good transportation system because I have companies here in Utah that depend on a, a good functioning road system in Arkansas and Maryland. It's important because we're moving products around the country and around the world. And so I would encourage Congress to define what they want to achieve as a nation with our transportation system. And this is not easy. It's hard. But nothing easy is nothing easy is uh, worth doing anyhow we need to do the hard things and uh, I would just encourage Congress to keep at it I I know that many members of Congress understand the need for transportation and they're committed to that long-term look uh, it's just we have a lot of things moving right now in Congress it's very complicated and uh, Senator Hatch who chairs finance is committed to a long-term funding for transportation uh, but trying to do it in the in the context of tax reform. That's a very complicated thing to do. So I'm confident in the long run. I think the short term, we're going to need to figure out ways to get through the short term so we can start to get to that big picture. I think fundamentally, we have to think about the principles that we want to have behind um, how to fund transportation. And I believe one of the principles needs to be a user base. The, the better we can do to connect the, uh, the use of the system with and make the use of the system tied into the cost of using that system, the better, um, I believe that's a very strong principle we should all support. So the gas tax has done a really good job of that, and it's been a pretty good user fee. I believe, you know, right now we're seeing a lot of um, great evolution in fuels and fuel efficiency of vehicles, and what we're starting to see today and will grow into the future is a little bit of a disconnect between the users and the impacts to the system and the cost they're paying to use that system. Now, I believe it's, it's absolutely the right thing to do to come up with more fuel-efficient vehicles, to look at alternative fuel vehicles, but that's where I believe is that disconnect that's starting to happen now and will increase in the future. Um, so I believe fundamentally in the future we're going to see more of a uh, user-based uh, fee is going to be tied more to that direct usage. And I'm very interested in the pilot that Oregon has going on and California has going on right now in that uh, vehicle miles traveled um, studies that they're doing. Because I think, you know, in the next, I don't know if it's 10, 15, 20 years, um, that will become the direct user fee that I think is important for the system. Um, and then, you know, finally, if we have uh, 10, you know, if we have a window to, of time to get to that ideal approach, that new way to get funding for transportation, um, you know, what do we do in the meantime? You know, do we, you know, keep just shifting money from the, you know, general fund? You know, like, you know, our states like Utah and others, you know, what, what's, what do you think is going to happen in the meantime? Yeah, that's critical. We need to have a bridging to that. And I would, I would, uh, I would. I would encourage us to break the habit of going to the general fund. You know, I remember for years prior to the general fund backfilling the trust fund, we kept trying to work on keeping that door closed to not allow trust fund monies, highway trust fund monies, to be used for other, other needs. And here we are opening the door in the other direction and saying, bring the general funds in. I, I think that's a slippery slope that I would encourage us all not to try to follow in the future. Uh, I understand we've been trying to backfill, and that's important. But I would encourage uh, states and the federal government to take a look at what Utah just did. Our legislature and governor just did a reform of the gas tax here in Utah, and I believe it's going to be a bridging uh, formula for us. And essentially what we did is we, we sit at a 24.5 cent gas tax right now. And what we did is we converted that gas tax to a percentage. And what we can, and we set the floor at 245, so it doesn't go below 245. And what will happen is we'll multiply a 12% fee uh, 
basically a percentage times that 245 and that immediately gave us a 4.9 cent increase in the gas tax but it's indexed now to the racks price so as the rack price that the wholesale price of fuel increases that 12% as that increases that 12% will generate more revenue they capped it at a 40 cent equivalent but that floor will also be moving at the same time with CPI and so we're going to have the ability for our state gas tax to more, in a better way, keep up with inflation and be able to uh, allow us to keep our pavements and bridges in better condition. And the taxpayers in Utah will ultimately pay less for the transportation services. I think that's a, that was a very good model, and I know other states are looking at that as well. You know, it was amazing because I think what it takes time to get there, but I think the trust that the legislature and the public have in the Department of Transportation to get the best return on the public's investment um, really played a big part in us getting getting this passed this last session. You know, we were pretty good at saying with these inputs, with this dollar amount, these are the outcomes you're going to see. You know, so we, we don't increase, increase staff at all. There's no overhead. This is purely going to get product on the road. And uh, when the public sees how their money's being invested and uh, they trust you, I believe uh, they'll make the right decisions to invest because it'll cost them less in the long run. If, if the answer is... Um... Welcome back. We want to thank Carlos for taking the time to speak with us, providing an additional perspective on this debate. I also want to mention that Eugene's entire interview with Carlos will be available on our website later on today, along with a replay of this entire program. Neil, if, if, if I can, I'd, I'd like to respond a little bit uh, to some of the comments uh, uh, earlier about, about uh, uh, devolution and, and, and where, the, where ATA and the industry stands on that. I, I think that uh, there's a good deal of frustration at the state level about uh, the, the uh, Congress's inability to get these things done, and sometimes I think that results in them thinking they might be able to do it better themselves, and, and in many ways that may very well be true. But we believe that there is a strong role for the federal government in the interstate highway system. So in, in, in the federal program, we think that it's important that there's collaboration between the federal government and the states in order to create a network that that uh, all of the residents and businesses around this country can use for interstate commerce. And, and we've, seen, uh, we've seen a lot of activity at the state level. Nearly a dozen states, uh, Eugene had mentioned earlier, have made some move towards increasing their fuel tax or some other legislative remedy to bring in more money into their highway trust fund. And, and we think those are courageous votes. And if you go through the list of those things, uh, those particular states, you'll find that uh, many of them are quite conservative and, and you wouldn't necessarily expect that they a tax increase would be a thing that they would be willing to do. But they simply sat down and did the math and determined that they needed more money in their system in order to provide a, a highway infrastructure that their, that their uh, citizens deserve. And I, and I think that's important. And, and, and one, one last point, if I can, is to talk about uh, the, the, the system and, and that it, it, there really are no bottlenecks that stop at city uh, boundaries or county boundaries or even state uh, state lines. Many of these things are multi-jurisdictional. So there needs to be a federal component in there that can help set a plan and we can fix these sort of things uh, and, and work across different jurisdictional lines. So I think that's incredibly important that we keep that element in the highway bill. Well, Pat, I want to assuage your fears. Uh, I think Congress has made it pretty clear that uh, the federal partnership is not going away. Uh, last Congress, even though the Transportation Empowerment Act had some 50 co-sponsors and uh, I believe 28 senators voted for it uh, when we passed the most recent extension. Uh, the authorizers this time around have made it very clear that uh, the gas tax, the fuel taxes are going to remain where they are. The program is not going to get devolved to the states. Uh, Chairman Schuster has had multiple hearings to bring in uh, state and local partners to show the importance of the federal program to them. Uh, and uh, even Chairman Inhofe of the uh, Environment and Public Works Committee, uh, who claims that he coined the term devolution yeah. in the first place uh, uh, a couple decades back. He says that uh, he was wrong then, um, and that's not the way that Congress is going to do things this time. So um, I think that's, that's a win for all of us. And it's worth pointing out that, you know, when you talk to people on the Hill, uh, you know, everybody's saying that 
the proponents of devolution don't have the votes. They don't have the votes yeah. uh, this True. year uh, and in the near future to get this going. As uh, you know, it makes for a a platform for them to stand on and you know advocate for when the highway legislation gets to the floors. Uh, but right now, you know, it's really not going to go anywhere. We have a couple of viewers. Uh, I'm getting some uh, feedback here, just seeking a few clarifications on on some of the funding mechanisms mm -hmm. we've been talking about. Uh, in terms of the road user fee, it was asking about would a fuel tax be eliminated? Or would there be a double taxation? I'm assuming that's sort of in relation to the the pilot program that, that was sort of outlined with Oregon. If you have any, any yeah, any that, that's a great question. And so for these folks right now who are going to be doing the pilot in Oregon, they will be paying their uh, state and federal gas tax at the pump, but they will be getting a quarterly rebate, uh, I believe it's quarterly, from the state DOT for the gas tax that they paid. Uh, I think um, ultimately, uh, if we were to bring such a system to scale on the federal level, which I think we will have to do in the future, uh, there would not be uh, a gas tax in addition. This would be uh, the new user fee for our transportation system. I got another one, uh, we've got another one from, from John asking in relation to our discussion thoughts about uh, with the roadblocks on, on the fuel tax and otherwise about public-private partnerships and about uh, would you recommend or promote the government establishing a dedicated fund for them I know that that, that can be a, a complicated issue just want to follow up with the, with the feedback that's coming from the outside for about public-private partnerships well, Neil, I'll take a I'll take a, a whack at that. It, uh, it it depends on how they're put together. There uh, there have been successful things that have happened around the country, and there have been others that have not. So I, I guess uh, the, the answer to the question is the devil's in the details. I think that we would take a a uh, an honest look at any proposal that anybody would uh, would bring forward. But uh, we'd have to we'd have to be comfortable with all the various aspects of that, and you know ultimately. Uh, you still have to pay for the project. So the question is, do these give you another avenue to be able to do that? Sometimes we tend to think that infrastructure banks and, th and uh, public-private par partnerships uh, are, are money from heaven that, 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 that once you get them, you don't have to worry about them anymore. But the reality is that you've got to pay for them, and you may get the money up front, uh, but, but you have to have a mechanism to, to come in behind there and, and, and pay, for, uh, pay for all the capital that you've used. That's a great point, Pat, and uh, I, I want to point out that even advocates, uh, the most outspoken advocates for public-private partnerships, uh, have, have been clear that this is, it's really a financing mechanism, not a funding mechanism. And even if there were to be a, uh, a national uh, P3 uh, procurement office, uh, the types of programs that P3 advocates thinks would really help, uh, it would still only cover about 10% of the need uh, for our surface transportation infrastructure. So I think uh, P3s definitely have to be looked at, but that's not the whole solution. Exactly. It's part of the toolbox, and, you know, there's going to be there's an expectation there's going to be language in the next long-term highway bill, you know, that really touches on P3s, but, you know, right now it's not considered to be the anchor, you know, solution for, you know, long-term financing. We have, we have a couple other funding and related questions coming in. I want to turn to some of the, the comments and questions we received in the days leading up to the program. Um, I think, again, it's established we're not going to be getting a long-term bill certainly by the end of this month, and, and, and we're going to have to wait and see when. With that said, people either were seeking some clarification, some suggestions, some forecasting as to what might be in something that a long-term bill, should there be one, five, six, seven, fifty years, haha, -ha, that, that there's more than just dollars in it, that there are uh, pieces uh, of legislation within that, that that goes towards building an infrastructure system wondering about what maybe some of the, the hopes or, or beliefs of what may what that might look at one day should it happen. Uh, I'll, I'll jump in. Sure. Um, I alluded to this before, uh, but I really think that the, uh, the link between the fuel tax uh, as a user fee has been broken by uh, increasing fuel efficiency, changing travel trends, and the fuel tax really is an increasingly regressive tax. Uh, you have uh, wealthier Americans who are able to buy newer cars uh, that are certainly going to be more fuel efficient. Uh, they're able to buy uh, hybrids and electric vehicles. So those folks, uh, my boss's constituents in many cases, are paying 
less and less to drive on our roadways than uh, people who might live in rural areas who are paying more and more. So I really think that a long-term bill needs to incentivize um, pilots like Oregon is running, uh, pilots like other states are looking at, to look at alternative uh, user fee-based mechanisms that can pay for this program into the future. Pat, I think you, 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 you want to comment about some of the things that uh, in a hypothetical long-term bill you would like to uh, That's right, Neil. We're going to write the bill right here, right <laughs> now. And, uh, and they'll look back it. on this one day and they'll say, we'll, look how smart you are. We'll work. take it on down to the hill and see if we can't get it done. You know, there's a number of different things that ATA has, has uh, identified as uh, that are important to us. Uh, obviously, a, a highway bill itself is incre incredibly important for us with, with the proper amount of funding, and it's got to be a, a robust and sustainable and reliable source of funding. Uh, obviously, the hours of service is an issue for us. We have a temporary fix for the hours of service, but we'd like to fix the 34-hour restart problem on a permanent basis, so we're, we're, uh, we're eager to do that. We're seeking some reform to the CSA program. We've got, we think, uh, a program with uh, all the right uh, motives, uh, but we've got some things in there that, that we don't think work very well. So we're interested in, in fixing some of those things so that the, the CSA scores reflect uh, the safe uh, operation of, of our of our members and, and that there is a link between uh, who's going to have a crash and what kind of CSA score they have. And we don't think that exists as it should today. Uh, obviously, MAP 21 put together a freight program, and we'd like to see that extended and moved into this bill. And, and uh, most importantly, it needs to be funded. And this would uh, give us an opportunity to look at the bottlenecks around the country. And, uh, you know, they, they really happen on a very small amount of, of the highway lanes but they produce an incredible amount of congestion and, and added cost to folks there. Uh, one thing we'd like to see not in the bill uh, is, is a, a provision to, a, to increase tolling or give more ability for folks to toll the existing interstate highway system. And uh, just a couple more, Neil. Uh, we, we have a, a good list of things this year. Uh, we, uh, we have a, a proposal that would add hair testing to the drug and alcohol testing regime. And so uh, carriers would have an opportunity to, to use that as an option, not, not as a mandatory thing, but a, if they found that that was a better uh, system for them, that they would have the ability to use that and have that endorsed uh, by the government. And finally, we would like to begin a conversation about, about what we do with uh, 18 to 21-year-old drivers uh, in this country. As we all know that currently they're able to do intrastate transportation, but they're not able to cross the state line. And so in many cases they can drive all the way across Texas or up and down the coast of California, but they can't drive from Virginia to Maryland, which may be a, a much shorter deal. So we're, we're looking at what kind of a potentially a graduated driver's license uh, program looks like so that we can begin to introduce these kids, because we have a real problem with a driver shortage in this in this country, and and it's uh, all expectations are that it's going to gradually get worse as as our workforce ages. So we want to very responsibly take a look at what we can do with those sort of things. So, you wanted a highway bill? There you go, Paul. It, I'm sure uh, that was a lot uh, broken up into mm -hmm. pretty specific pieces. I'm sure uh, on the. Uh, up on Capitol Hill, you, you would hear a lot of different lists like this, both yeah. from trucking and from other uh, stakeholders, I guess, in this. Uh, how, how does Capitol Hill sort of go about sorting through something like this when, they, when beginning to think maybe one day about uh, a long-term bill that is so complicated and, and expensive as a long-term highway bill could be? Uh, well, uh, you know, Neil, I would have to say that uh, we really are not doing that uh, right now, uh, and and I want to thank Secretary Fox for really making this point every opportunity he can that the conversation over the funding over the Highway Trust Fund has really uh, hijacked the conversation that we should be having about uh, improvements that we can make to our national transportation system, uh, whether it's funding a freight program, whether it's uh, making freight flow more efficiently. Um, all sorts of things like that, uh, we really aren't able to take a look at that. Uh, the Department of Transportation put out a 30-year framework. Uh, there's a lot of uh, stuff to like in there, but nobody's really taking a hard look because everyone just keeps talking about uh, where's the money. So uh, uh, Congressman Blumenauer sits on Ways and Means, and it's his job to find the money. And um, one more plug for my, for my boss's bill, we think that we've got the solution. I, I want to ask uh, 
at least one more question here. Someone that looked at the, this short-term versus long-term in a, a slightly different way. They, they wanted to know our opinions. Uh, if there was some sort of funding certainty, as I think all sides of the debate are seeking, how might that change investment not only in infrastructure, but also in, in vehicle purchases, whether it be uh, Class 8 trucks or, or off-highway? Do you have any sense as to how, how it may be costing us in the short term by not being able to find a long-term solution? Well, Neil, I'll, I'll, I'll take a, a look at that. I, I think there's no question that, that uh, the method in which we're using to fund the highways today with uh, short-term uh, extension and short-term patches uh, is, is, is uh, causing a great deal of problems. It's, it's causing uncertainty at the state level. Uh, you know, uh, state DOT director after state DOT director is, is uh, uh, relaying stories about having to delay projects or even stop projects or cancel projects because they just don't have the certainty of a funding program. And that trickles all the way down through the economy. And so if we don't have the ability to, to look ahead and see that we have a highway program that's going to sustain us into the future four or five, six years, uh, you know, we, we have a, we, that, that uncertainty creeps into our business. And, and, I, and I think you would, you would find that with almost every trucking executive in the country to say that we need to get this done, we need to get it behind us to give them some level of confidence that we're going to take this economy and grow it in a, in a, in a manner in which we think it can be done. Uh, one other question that has come in is, uh, what else do you guys have planned for Infrastructure Week? And along with that was sort of suggesting, okay, I feel I'm caught up to speed. H how do I track it? W you know, what, what's the next thing? So much is coming at me. How do I, how do I get involved or how do I see, track how this is going to play out besides coming to ttnews.com and reading transport topics? So let's start with what else might be planned for Infrastructure Week and then and where does this debate go from here? Uh, Sure, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. Uh, I would note that it's also Bike to Work Week, National Bike to Work Week. Uh, Congressman Blumenauer is a big champion for uh, bicycle infrastructure and, and, uh, and pro-bicycle policies. So he'll be speaking at Bike to Work Day uh, at Freedom Plaza in Washington, D.C. on Friday. Um, as, I, as I mentioned, investments in uh, bicycle infrastructure make our communities safer and more vibrant. So uh, we're also focusing on that type of infrastructure. And tomorrow on Capitol Hill, um, uh, there's going to be Advocacy Day as part of Infrastructure Week. And a very pro-cycling uh, former Secretary of Transportation, Ray LaHood, is going to be uh, leading uh, that kickoff event. Um, you know, but if we can circle back quickly, um, yesterday's uh, during the kickoff of Infrastructure Week, it really struck me that, uh, you know, Secretary Fox said that what we need right now to solve this immediate uh, crisis is is basically having a person shoot a miracle shot at the buzzer and he said we need a LeBron James to hit a buzzer beater and it just you know I just kept reflecting on that that we're in a situation right now in our political landscape that you know our DOT chief is saying that we need you know a last-minute breakthrough you know it's just you know that this, this, that's the state of play that you know he's laying out for us I, I just want to give uh Ever, I guess here, if they have any any parting comments or, or suggestions, uh, predictions of, of how this uh, may play out uh, as we we hit this next deadline and, and sort of begin yeah. to set up for what likely to be more deadlines yeah. to come. Well, uh, Neil, I'll take a I'll I'll, uh, I'll give you a prediction, and then and when I'm done, I'll let the expert uh, Paul here tell you what's really going to happen. But uh, I, I think that it's most likely that there will be a, an, a what we would call a short-term extension that will happen, and, and it's most likely to go into December. That's what we're hearing. Uh, there was some talk earlier about maybe July or sometime this summer, but it appears as though the, that is getting pushed back, and, and you know you never know until it's done. But we it, it appears as though that's that's what's going on. And, uh, and that's unfortunate because, uh, you know, then we move into 2016 if we don't get it done by the end of the year. And I think it's very, very difficult to have, uh, you know, real candid conversations around this sort of an issue during, a, during an election year. So we're, we're hoping that it, the, the sooner the better and, and uh, we'll get something done here. That's absolutely right. Congressman Blumenauer uh, 
strongly believes that a, a shorter term patch is, is the way to go. We need to keep the pressure on. Uh, but ultimately, we've been stuck in this holding pattern of extensions. And I'd like to think that uh, if, if uh, Congress were to have a LeBron James, as people joked yesterday, uh, to come in and, and hit that miracle shot, uh, I think what's more important is for Congress to, to hear from uh, small business owners and executives and, and your members, uh, Pat, across the country that this is something that needs to get done, and these extensions are not helping anyone. And rather than wait for uh, some savior, uh, chairman of a committee in Congress, to lead the way, um, I would encourage the American public, who is really bearing the, the brunt of this, to, uh, to tell Congress that they need to get down to business. And we should point out that LeBron James is not going to run for Congress anytime soon. So <laughs> does not appear that way. OK, so I want to thank. Uh, Paul and uh, uh, Pat for taking time today. We're going to see Eugene uh, again later this week. Uh, but before we sign off today, I again want to thank our sponsors, Ryder and Clean Energy. Again, I want to thank Pat, Paul, and Eugene for joining me, as well as Martin and Carlos for making time to share their thoughts. I also want to remind our viewers that we have a special, as I mentioned, live on web reporters roundtable on Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern featuring Eugene and three other transportation reporters from national news organizations covering Capitol Hill. They will look back on all of Infrastructure Week and provide the latest insight onto where highway funding is heading. Please visit liveonweb.ttnews.com for more information. During that program, we will announce details of our next full Live on Web program for June. Finally, I want to mention we have a special subscription offer for our viewers today. Please visit liveonweb.ttnews.com slash subscribe for details. And if you have enjoyed the program today, consider joining our fan club at liveonweb.ttnews.com slash fan club. You might just earn yourself a free mug. Until next time, I'm Neil Apt. Thank you for joining us.